This is Internet Marketing. Welcome to the show where we give you the lowdown, the inside information and the word from the experts to help you use the internet as part of your marketing machine. Internet marketing is brought to you by AI Digital at www.ai-digital.com. And in a very lively episode 47, a lot of talk about Twitter. I talk to Dan Rouse and Kelvin Newman about Twitter and the conversations that have been going on about Twitter at the many seminars that they have been talking at. I also speak to Scott Collier, a photographer who's making fantastic use of Animoto to promote his business. I actually spoke to Scott at the Starting Over show, the SOS show, which took place down here in Brighton a couple of weeks ago. Um, A bit noisy in the background. It was a very, very successful show, actually. So um, apologies for the background noise, but um, I think you can hear what he's saying. All coming up on Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome back to Internet Marketing episode 47. I'm with Daniel Rowles and Calvin Newman. Dan, what have you been up to? I've um, been speaking at an awful lot of conferences for the last couple of weeks and uh, what we found is that Twitter has been a huge topic of conversation. Uh, it's been phenomenal how many people are starting to explore it, how many people are using it and have no idea why they're using it. Um, and everyone asking lots and lots of questions. So I've got a little example of something that I found very interesting about Twitter and how e-consultancy were using it. And I'll say a bit more about that in a moment. And then Kelvin has actually written a white paper on how you use Twitter and some really good practical tips. We'll get him to look at that as well. But I just wanted to start off by saying thank you for all the feedback. We've had absolutely tons of feedback. Lots of people that came to the conferences came up and said they were listeners of the podcast and said hi. So that was really good to meet a few people. So on the basis of that, the next recording we're going to do, we're going to have a special Q&A recording and we will answer all of the questions uh, that people have sent in. So I apologize if we haven't answered them today, but we will answer them next time and we'll have a whole session. There's some really good in-depth questions coming in of people trying to work out what they should and shouldn't be doing. So we'll record that in a, in a couple of weeks um, and that'll be out in the next episode. That'll be a first for us, won't it? A dedicated Q&A session. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was really positive to have lots of people coming up and kind of uh, digging into things in person a little bit more. So I think we'll, we'll try and dig into that. So Dan, what's all this about Twitter then? What's been going on with Twitter? Well, obviously the interest in Twitter has raised and raised and lots of people asking why they could use it. We did show of hands at every conference and there were at least, you know, one in 10 people seemed to be Twittering. When I said, keep your hand up if you know why you're Twittering, an awful lot of the hands seemed to go down and caused a bit of a smirk in the audiences. So I think what we want to address is why would people Twitter and so on. Now, the, the interesting thing was that e-consultancy, uh, we're talking about how they'd used it. And e-consultancy is a website, so it's e-consultancy.com, mm-hmm. um, subscription site, and you get access to loads of white papers, uh, supplier reviews, discussion forums, all those kind of things. Really good websites, so have a look. But essentially, what they'd done is they'd taken all of their kind of journalists, all of their writers, getting them to Twitter. They would Twitter about blog posts, and they would Twitter about various things they were doing. They were also using the Twitter API, which is the programming interface that allows you to kind of get information out of Twitter because the Twitter.com website is appalling. Uh, The search facilities aren't very good and there's not much you can do with it. So what they've done is use the API and they search all the Twitters out there and they look for the word e-consultancy. And if the word e-consultancy, because it's quite a specific phrase, is within a tweet, they pull it into their website without checking what it says and so on and so forth. So it's come up with some really interesting results. There were lots of people saying good things. There were people saying bad things. 
But what they've used it for is customer service because they search what people are saying. If people are saying something negative, they grab that and they feed back to it really quickly. Just out of interest, Dan, are they publishing that directly to their front page? I'm not sure it's their front page or one of the central pages in the site, but it's there for everybody to see. It's pretty brave, isn't it? It is very brave. Um, And it's actually had a positive impact because people see it and they see a negative comment, then somebody feeds back on that really quickly. That actually has quite a positive impact. Mm. Uh, Also, lots of interesting things where people asking questions and Mm. um, promoting things and so on and so forth. Yeah, and by making that front and centre, they're also encouraging feedback. You know, if you're showing, okay, we're taking this... A lot of people might be monitoring what people are saying about them, but by putting it, you know, right smack bang in their website, they're showing, okay, well, we're actually really listening to what you're saying. So which therefore encourages people more likely to make a comment, you know, you know, it kind of brings out those people who might have an opinion, but otherwise wouldn't say anything about it. So from that point of view, that's going to be helping them develop their service offering, really. And there's a, there's a fact, I can never remember where it comes from, but there was some research done. I know that uh, Will McKins was talking about this, wasn't he, on one of his last talks, that uh, companies that allow negative feedback are generally trusted more than companies that don't. Yeah, I mean, if you, for a really kind of uh, open example of that, if you look at TripAdvisor, quite often when you see, well, definitely, if you see lots of reviews that are positive and no negative ones, you don't necessarily trust it. If you see a few with differing opinions, you feel a bit more comfortable with it. And then essentially the other thing is if you see one really negative review, people tend to jump up and stand up for the people and say, I don't think that's really a fair comment. So you actually get a bit of kind of democratisation of the whole thing, the more people that are using it. So I think the more people that are using Twitter, the, the easier it's going to be to judge the quality of what's out there. Yeah, it's, it's with TripAdvisor. You never go for the hotel with a five-star review from all the people. You go for the one with four-star review because, the, you know, everyone gives, you know, somebody gives a four-star review is honest. Somebody gives it a five-star review probably has a vested interest. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so I think eConsultancy have, have, have pulled out something quite clever by doing this. But what really interested me, and this was the big point for me, people are saying, well, that's all well and good. You know, you're getting some feedback. That's okay. But all this time that's being spent on Twittering and writing these tweets, is that having any business benefit? And is that having any effect on search engine optimization and things like that? Well, essentially, Google at the moment isn't really taking much notice of Twitter. I'm sure they are in the background, but there's no real visible evidence of that at the moment. Now, eConsultancy dug into this a bit, and essentially they're using um, some software called TweetDeck. So instead of using the Twitter website, you can use TweetDeck, which is tweetdeck.com, or you could use something like Twitterific. Um, And essentially... What you do with both those bits of software is instead of putting a big, full, long URL, if you're referring to something, you can put a tiny URL URL in. So it just makes it a bit smaller and it it fits into the tweet. Um, With the um, tweet deck, what you can do is putting a bit.ly. So it automatically replaces your long URL with a bit.ly address. Okay. Now, the interesting thing about bit.ly addresses is that it's very hard to track what's happening with your tweets when they're out there. If you look at your analytics, you might see that you've got a number of clicks from Twitter. And okay, fine, it might not be a huge number. But but if you actually then go in there and you're replacing your URLs with bit.ly URLs, you can use bit.ly to track a lot more of what's going on. And you can start to track how many people clicked on that bit.ly URL from different places. So what they really interestingly found was that when they send a link out there, they get a number of people coming through to the website from Twitter. But it was a very limited amount. It wasn't huge. When they investigated and looked at the bit.ly URL and the tracking on that, so it's bit.ly, mm. um, you can see where people that have clicked on that link have come from. And it's got its own little analytics. And they found that a huge percentage of people clicking on that link weren't coming from Twitter or any other tweeting service at all. What was actually happening is that you would tweet something And then somebody would post it to a blog or they might email it to somebody or they might post it on their website. So actually Twittering is actually building you inbound links 
from places you wouldn't even imagine. Now, let, let me get this right, Dan. If, I, if I've got this right, Bitly is like your very own sort of Google Analytics, but built into one single URL, isn't it? Yeah, so what it does, it shortens the URL for, me, for you. So it takes it from being you know, hundreds of characters down to a really short URL. And then you can look at the analytics of who's clicked on that link. So you can log in and you can investigate who's clicked on it. Now, if you send that out in a, a tweet, you, you, know, you can track who's coming through to your website in your own analytics from Twitter. But all these other places, when it's posted to a blog and so on, you wouldn't actually be able to find that out so easily because you wouldn't know it had anything to do with the tweet in the first place. But by literally doing this, you know that link is purely in your tweet, mm-hmm. so you can track it back. And I can't remember the exact stat, but I think it was something like 80% or thereabouts of the clicks coming through weren't from Twitter, they from all these other sources. So I thought there's something definitely quite interesting there, and I think Kelvin will probably do a little bit more investigation into this as well and see if we can do our own kind of case study on this and find out the amount of links that we think we're getting through when we put some tweets out there as well. So I thought that was quite an interesting point. And TweetDeck, if I'm not mistaken, does TweetDeck automatically shorten URLs to bit.ly links? Yeah, it can do it for you. So you can actually just automate that process. It makes life very easy, and then you can track it through really simply as well. Okay, brilliant. Calvin, did you want to say something? Yeah, no, I mean, and the advantage of that is as well that you can, if you might be using your Twitter account to promote your own content, but if you're using one of those kind of URL shortenings like Bitly there, you can see the traffic you're sending to other people as well. So you can say, okay, well, you know, you might well talk about a BBC story that you think is really interesting to your subscribers, and then you can see kind of what race, you know, you might have 100, you know, 150,000 followers or 100 followers or however many you've got but what's interesting to know is how many of those are actually you know listening to what you're saying and clicking on the link and following through you sometimes find out if they like it they retweet it or you can get that kind of impression there but you can see who's you know interested enough in your in your comments to go and follow those links which is good to know i mean i've, I've been using um, twitter recently i think I've, I've mentioned it on the last couple of episodes and um, I'm still using it. It's still an experiment. I still like it. I'm, I'll be one of those people that looked a bit embarrassed and sat down again when the question was asked, well, why are you using it? But one thing I will say is incredibly powerful for getting real-time feedback on what people are saying about you. Now, admittedly, it's only people in the Twitter sphere, and I'm sure I hope I'm not the first person to say that word. Mm. But it's still interesting because you can do in search.twitter.com and in TweetDeck, which is probably an even better place to do it, you can search for any specific string. And it's a fantastic way of just seeing what, what people are saying about you. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, I mean, we've used it for the podcast. We thought it was quite a good specific purpose. We would ask people for feedback for the podcast. And we've had loads of good questions coming through. But it will be the people that are fairly, it's a fairly technically engaged audience already. Mm. And that is growing. But it's one of those things that unless you're online a lot of the time anyway, and you're quite engaged with this kind of stuff, you're probably not going to use it. So there is a skew in terms of who's using it at the moment. Mm. But this thing of it, then those people pushing it into blogs and other places is actually distributing the content a lot further as well. So if you tend to say something useful to people in a tweet, it tends to go a lot further than just Twittering anyway, I think. Well, that, those statistics would indicate that uh, Twitter is a very good way of getting a sort of a snowball effect out there started, because if most of those links were coming back from non-Twitter sources, and t- we know that Twitter was the only place where they started, that's really very interesting. Yeah, I think I'd go and take it at the e-consultancy website, so e-consultancy.com, um, and have a look at what they're doing with it, because it's pretty clever stuff, and there's a fair amount of discussion going on there about it as well. Now, just before we move on to Kelvin, do you think we ought to have a, a, a Twitter tag for the Internet Marketing Podcast? Um, I think we should. At the moment, people have been following me on Daniel Rolls, all one word, so Daniel R-O-W-L-E-S, and that is specifically the kind of stuff that I ramble about, but we will set one up. Um, what we're looking at doing is integrating the blog 
Um, so that's Kelvin's apple pie and custard blog mm-hmm. into the uh, podcast as well. And we're going to be talking about how we're going to do that in the next couple of weeks as well. And then I'm going to be putting some more kind of video content and things out there as well. But yeah, I think, it, you know, we, a hashtag could work quite well here. I don't know um, if people, if they're new to Twitter, they might not have come across them. But basically, by using a hashtag, you can make it very easy for other people to find what you're talking about. So it normally it tends to be used at conferences. So say I'm going to SMX London, which um, is a conference coming up in a couple of months. I And I'm tweeting about SMX London, and I want other people to know about that. I just put in my tweet, hash SMX London, so other people there could do that. So rather than replying to Daniel directly or myself or Andy or you know anyone else who's involved in the podcast, I think a hashtag might be a good way of doing that. Well, I think we should use hash IMPC. What do you reckon, guys? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Yeah, IMPC, yeah. That's agreed. Okay, it's hash IMPC, folks. Right, uh, let's move on now. Time to move on? I think it's time to move on, isn't it? Let's move on now to uh, Kelvin's bit about your tweet sheet. Yeah, I mean, I've just been working on a, um, a white paper that will be coming out fairly shortly. And as, as Daniel said, I'm, I'm really keen to get people's feedback on it. So if anyone um, wants to, you know, drop by um, Apple Pie and Custard, which is our blog, which is sitevisibility.co.uk forward slash blog. Or if you're already using Twitter, that using that hashtag that we mentioned earlier, IMPC, would be really good. And what I'm hoping to do is to send out this tweet sheet to a few people beforehand to get their feedback. Um, basically, this document's come about because... Um, like Daniel said, I've internally and externally, and as I've been out and about, I'm quite a big advocate of Twitter, and I've been, you know, using Twitter for the best part of about well, eighteen months to two years now. So I'm, I've been having a lot of people asking me, you know, what what's the point? How can I use it? And this document really is just a kind of an idea to explain. Okay, you've heard about Twitter, but why is everyone making such a fuss? To give some real examples of real businesses that are making real money from um, using Twitter. So you can kind of say, okay, well, that could work a bit like I'm doing or, you know, give you ideas in that way. And then some practical tips in terms of what to be Twittering about if you're working on behalf of a company. It's aimed largely at the kind of PR sector, but um, it, it could work, you know, the, the data's relevant and interesting, I think, to pretty much anyone, hopefully, who would like to use Twitter. And, you know, following on from Daniel's example about e-consultancy there, I just wanted to give, you know, three or four examples of some websites that have done really well on Twitter to hopefully inspire people in terms of how they could, you know, use Twitter on behalf of their company, but also understand, you know, who's done well. You know, it's always inspirational in that kind of way. So, I mean, the main one that everyone tends to use when talking about um, Twitter is Zappos, the um, American shoe company. And they've kind of become the de facto um, case study for Twitter. And basically their CEO, um, whose name is Tony, whose surname I'm not sure how to pronounce, but I should spell for you, is H. S-I-E-H is the chap's name there. Basically, he's got over 150,000 people following him, which, you know, a lot of it is to do with the fact that they're an online company. He got there very early. He was able to network very well. But they use that account to kind of get feedback about their products, their websites. If they're launching a new service, they talk about it and also kind of promote special offers and that kind of thing. So if you think about it in the simplest of sense, that that you've got 150,000 people on your email list, that would be deemed quite a good achievement. But if you bear in mind that the way that people use Twitter, they've got a lot more engagement with that than you have with email. The problem with email is most people are email blind now. If you get an email from a company, you tend to you know, quite often ignore it. So the advantage of that is that they've got this connection there that's you know, a little bit more involved. I mean, I think Daniel's... you know can definitely you know talk a little bit about that kind of thing yeah we, we've seen more and more um as we've been doing email marketing courses looking at the stats seeing that people are just getting more and more kind of trigger happy to delete emails and spam filters are becoming more of a problem all the stats kind of back that up as well 
And what we've actually found now is more and more people are staying in contact with their friends through Facebook rather than using email because email is becoming such a burden in terms of spam. So again, with Twitter, people are using it for different things. Like the idea of friend management and all this kind of nonsense where really you're just talking to your friends and you're using it as a good channel of communications through to them. So I think it's absolutely right. Rather than collecting email addresses, if you've got an engaged audience and your audience is actually using Twitter, then it's a really good way to talk to them. Yeah, and moving on to another example that... Uh, this one I think is really good because there's actually some numbers behind it and what the value they've had. It's a domain registrar called Namecheap, who are an American company. Um, they did a, they worked this case study over a month and was able to get a 10% increase in the traffic to the site, which they directly attribute to Twitter, but a 20% increase in their numbers of sales that they had in that period of time. So, I mean, you know, any marketing campaign, you know, there's, there's going to be figures associated with that. But this was a fairly small campaign taking a couple of hours a day you know it was essentially a competition they were doing and then what they did was on the hour every hour they would ask a question the first person to reply to that question correctly got a free domain name so for a domain registrar that wasn't really an expensive promotion to do because it's kind of you know it doesn't cost them much to give away a domain name Um, but why they were clever about this is the question that they you know to answer the question and enter the competition you had to reply via twitter to the, the you know to the name cheap account so say i saw their question that they answered i fancied it i thought i'd be quick and get in there quicker i reply to you know at name cheap and the answer to the question is what's clever about that is i've got i know about 350 people following me so potentially half of those are looking at my tweets and they see that name domain and see that i'm responding to them a few of those are going to click on that link and see who that you know who that company is they then follow them and enter as well. So it was really, really clever what they were able to do there. And, you know, they didn't really give a huge amount away. But, you know, every time that you do it, it gets seeded out to more people. And if you bear in mind that, you know, it's that viral effect. So I enter once, 100 people who are following me look at that. 10 of them enter the next one. They've got 100 people each. 10 of them follow. Mm. It, it, it very quickly, you know, snowballed for the guys there, which, you know, great execution, you know, which could quite easily be repeated for other companies. There was a, an interesting thing. If you look at shoemoney.com, um, one of Kelvin and I is always having a talk about shoemoney.com, whether we love it or hate it. Um, and there's, there's some great information on there. But essentially, Shoe Money uh, had put out a promotion. And basically what they said is there's a prize draw, and they do it fairly regularly. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll put you into the prize draw. So he had a lot more people actually starting to follow him on Twitter. What he actually found, though, is the amount of people taking any notice of what he was tweeting about didn't really grow, i.e. the amount of people that were clicking on links and coming through to the site and so on didn't grow substantially. But he did see a continued small amount of growth. So what was basically happening was that lots of people were just following him on Twitter for the prize draws, and then they didn't listen to anything he said after that. But because that was then appearing in other people's networks and they were retweeting, there was a continued kind of bit of growth from that as well. So the quality may not have been fantastic, but it did lead to long-term growth. So there's some balancing and you need to test what's actually happening. You know, Twitter reminds me of having your very own lightweight swarm of bees. I don't don't mean that in a negative way. A swarm of bees swarming around you and your swarm intersects with several other swarms and each of those intersects with another swarm. Think about Twitter, it's so lightweight. I was talking to a couple of um, experts a couple of days ago about the difference between Twitter and Facebook, mm. and they were saying that they prefer Twitter because it's, it's just low touch. With Facebook, if someone wants to follow you, you have to go and acknowledge and say, yeah, it's okay. With Twitter, it's just free for all. It's interesting. 
I think one of the key things is that you can tweet when you're mobile. There's so many applications for different devices and things like that now. It's having a big impact. I mean, every one of the conferences we spoke at, you said, okay, who's actually tweeting as we speak? And there'll be one or two people at all these conferences speaking as well. How many of them are saying, I'm now going to the toilet and there's somebody sitting in front of me and boring everyone to death is, you know, is is not the point. But I think that it it is easy. And I think that's the key thing. Right, Kelvin, so we've got this white paper. What are we going to do with it? Uh, well, basically, it's it's going to be published over the you know the next couple of weeks, and you know we're going to you know get it out there to people. But what I really want to do is I know that there's some you know savvy people out there li- listening to the podcast, and I'd be interested to get their feedback and on how they can do it. I mean, one of the things that I'm going to do is you know I'm devote, devoting quite a big section of the white paper itself to people's personal suggestions on how to use Twitter. So if there's people out there who have already used it and you know want to send in a suggestion for um, you know their top tip for how to use Twitter. It'd be great if they could send that in on that hashtag and I'll then include them in that white paper. And if anyone does, you know, mention on that hashtag that they're interested in it, I'll send the whole white paper across to them, sort of like pre-release, as it were, to get their feedback on it, really. And of course, that hashtag, that hashtag again is I, M for mother, P for Percy, C for Charlie. Yeah, that's the one, that's the one. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads of examples of people using Twitter out there. I mean, there's a few more in the white paper. There's a good one, um, like... SEO Moz, which is you know one of the main SEO um, blogs out there, um, really well respected. Site visibility managed to get a link off those guys because we responded to an article that they'd they'd mentioned on there, and we you know all it was they were talking about domain leasing, which is you know quite a topic that's not been written about a huge amount. I knew someone else who'd written about domain leasing, mentioned to the author of the piece, you know here's some really good stuff about domain leasing. He then added that to the post and said, thanks, Kelvin, for doing that link to our podcast, um, to our website, which is, you know, one of the better links that are pointing to our site. And that was a two second tweet about something I already knew about. If I wanted to, you know, create some content that I thought SEO mods were going to find so interesting, they'd have to link to that could have taken out, you know, days potentially. So it's that kind of thing as well. And another one is you can just listen out for when people are talking about you. There's a good model that you can use called the Gartner hype cycle. And it's a bit like the long tail or the tipping point or any of those kind of things. And basically the idea is that things go up in popularity, everyone hears about them, and then they go down in popularity and then they settle to a good level, right? Mm-hmm. And Twitter is very much at the top of that peak at the moment. But I was talking about Twitter and the hype cycle, and they got back to me and said, oh, um, you know, here's some more information about the hype cycle. The Pitt Gartner's the publisher of the, the book. And then there was a link there to buy that book. And then I went and bought the book. You know, that's a really clever response there because they were seeing I was talking about what they did and came at the right moment. And they just got a plug in the podcast as well. So it's going incredibly well for them. So that's very good. Have they got a hashtag? (laughs) But yeah, no, it's that kind of example. It's responding to people at exactly the right moment. You know, you can send an email through. You can judge that, okay, most of our people are going to be quiet on a Friday afternoon. So we'll send them the email on Friday afternoon. Or we know our sales tend to do better on a Monday. So we'll send the email on a Monday. Whereas with Twitter, it's like someone can say they're looking to buy, you know, where's the best hotel to stay in Paris? If you're a hotel in Paris and you see that person's looking for a hotel in Paris, spot on timing-wise. It is very real-time Twitter, isn't it? Because the head of that Twitter stream moves so quickly, thousands and thousands of tweets a second. So you, you, people tend to respond in a very timely way, don't they? Unless they're doing a search or something. Yeah, I think, I think it's really important. I mean, the, the idea of using Twitter search has been a few job boards have sprung up and things like that as well. And they work, but what you'll see is the relevance declines very quickly mm. in the 
Um, once something's posted, people have reacted and the next topic is happening as well. So it's keeping that flow up as well. But what I'd say is that people make a great mistake of thinking, I must Twitter constantly because it needs to be updated. So they just get this constant flow of, of kind of benign information. Mm-hmm. The best way of doing it is if, just say things when you've got something to say, just like blogging. Provide some valuable content, say something that's useful um, and just in, in, interact in a way that actually provides some value for people. And be prepared that you're not going to be able to hear everything that your followers are saying, you know, with a blog, you'll want to read all the posts. You know, we're used to like, you buy a book, you read the whole book, but Twitter's not like that. You just dip in for your 15, 20 minutes when you've got time to look and you're free. And, you know, be interested in that 15, 20 minutes. What you don't have to do is go and find out what someone tweeted four days ago, because A, that is impossible to do if you've got a decent sized network, but B, it's probably already irrelevant. So don't don't be concerned that you're not up to date with it. You, you know, like Facebook, you can try and keep up with what most of your friends are doing, but Twitter, it's just, transitory you know you go for it when the moment's there and take advantage then well i think we could talk for twitter for hours but i think we better cut it short there well guys thank you so much so that's uh, kelvin newman and daniel rouse talking about twitter thanks guys cheers thank you very much and send in your feedback we're going to move on now to a very short interview with uh, a chap called scott collier who is a photographer who is making very good use of animoto so here it comes enjoy I am speaking with uh, Scott Collier. I'm particularly interested in your use of Animoto uh, to promote your business. Well, Animoto was introduced to me by Nick Butler. Like a loudmouth man. What happened was, is I'm a big fan of Mac, and in an application called iPhoto, there's a further application called uh, Ken Burns, where photographs... It's a slideshow, but where photographs very slowly move, zoom in or zoom out. And what with adding the music to it, it adds a whole dimension to the photographs. And we wanted to find a way of showing this kind of Ken Burns slideshow on the net. I mentioned it to Nick Butler, and he said, oh, try Animoto. And so we went to the Animoto website, and uh, we now um, propagate our business hugely as a consequence of our experience of Animoto. What we do is, um, I'm a wedding photographer as well, and so I'll go to a wedding, take photographs during the day, and when I come home of an evening, because I'm kind of like pumped as a consequence of the creative environment that I've been all day I'm not really ready to go to bed so what I do is I upload my favourite 50 summation images of the whole day upload their first dance music to the Animoto website and then about 20 minutes later I'm able to download a Ken Burns type slideshow with the music uh, that I'm able to title and put the bride and groom's name in mm. And uh, but then the magic really starts because what I'm able to do is that night I'm able to post it to my Facebook site yeah. and then in the morning I ring up my bride and say hey go to uh, Facebook there's something nice there for you and then what happens is Annie before she's even gone on honeymoon you know she's waking up full of expectation as to you know she, she you know she's doing a debrief as how was my day yesterday and I say go and have a look at Facebook and then she watches this Animoto now what happened was the first, this was the first time I ever did it um, I remember I had some guests over on Sunday lunch the day after a wedding and I'm sitting at my lunch table with my guests and my bride rings me and inconsolable crying and I said Annie pull yourself together what's wrong and she told me what she had to say and I said Annie let me stop you there and I put my phone on loudspeaker 
And I said, Annie, say that again. And she said, and I kid you not, she was going, Scott, Scott, Scott. She was crying. I said, what? Spit it out. She said, Scott, you're the best photographer in the world. So I just hit the red button. Enough said, really. And funnily enough, the lady who I was having Sunday lunch with, then she hired me to photograph her son's wedding that was later that year. Now, what my bride was able to do then was distribute her images that day to all of her friends before she'd even left the country. And that cost me, well, to be on Animoto is £40 for a year of use. And so you can say it cost me as good as nothing, yeah? Yeah. Um, But the power afforded me by this facility, the convenient downloading onto Facebook or any um, social network, and the way that she's able to use her image and it and it harnesses the immediacy of digital photography. It's got the emotional connection of her first dance thrown in. I tell you, it knocks them, it cuts them in half. And as an and as a, a a wedding photographer of little or no integrity, you know, knocking my brides into shape like that makes my day. That sounds amazing. Can you actually down? What does it download as? Can you download it as a as a, as a flov or a mov or? A, uh, yeah, it, 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 you, once you are happy with the quality of the rendering that that downloads itself to facebook and and the quality is adequate but then um you can then elect for cd quality and it's just um you then pay an extra 120 pounds for a year and then you can use this unlimited as well and then you can then it does a rendering that is good enough to watch on the whole of a television screen as a dot mov dot mafia and also and there's another format a dot wmv the Windows Media Form. No, no, it's not WMV. It's um, another format altogether that I have to download. If I want to put it on a DVD for them to watch on the telly, then it's that file. Or the, and, it, and you can also download it as QuickTime. Sure. Is that, is that dot .mov, is it? That's dot .mov, I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you can download it then in two formats. And, and, and this, the quality of that rendering is like crystal clear, full screen on your computer. In fact, today, I'm here and customers are going away with photographs of themselves and on the stick they also get an animoto about my business and an animoto about starting over show uh, in high quality so when they're watching at home looking at their photographs at home on their computer they'll see the photographs themselves and then they can click on that dot mov file and see a video about me and then another one about sos that's crystal clear and fills their screen and it's got the theme tune smiling makes the day go quicker and so it's all completely branded to the eyeballs. Well, um, Scott Collier, photographer extraordinaire. Yes. Thank you very, yes. very yes. much indeed. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Now, we would really like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at ai-digital.com and feel free to send in MP3 files as well and we'll play them. If you're a subscriber, we'd like to thank you for your valuable time. If you haven't subscribed yet and you'd like this show delivered to your earbuds automatically, you can find Internet Marketing on iTunes. Just search under the Business and Marketing and Management categories. Or you can find us at Feedburner at feeds.feedburner.com slash academyim. We'd also encourage you to leave comments on iTunes. Well, this is Andy White signing off, wishing you the best until we see you next time on Internet Marketing.